0: Praise God. Well, I'm glad everybody's here. We're going to have a great day today. Today, you know, is our family day. I just have always said that we need to be together as family and church. I know your parents say, oh, I really, really love it when there's kids' church, and I know. But kids need to be raised in church. Amen? And uh, so anyway, we to make up for it, we have a special day. We've got all kinds of things going on over here. Uh Everything you can imagine is over there, herded up in a pen or something. So y'all going to have some fun today. And uh, I want to just thank y'all. I, I, my wife and I about to get in an argument over there. So I didn't want I got up and come up here for had to get into something I had to repent about. But anyway, I started pastoring the church in November of 1993 so I say I've done 29 years and I'm headed to 30, but uh, it seems the calculations may be different, but it uh, depends on who's using the calculator. It really doesn't make any difference. Um, I, I I know, I want to to say this because I guarantee you I would not be here and have continued this long if it wouldn't have been for my family. If I didn't have my wife with me to to keep me straight and help me and be there as a an anchor to my soul and and uh my my children and you know my my mother and father-in-law my mother um i mean my father-in-law stood at that door since 1986 greeting people that's impressive to be people that are that faithful and so they stood by our sides and they've helped us and held up our arms and blessed us all these years. And we wouldn't have made it. I I see pastors fall all the time in the ministry and they don't have the support around them. And that our family has always been a big support around us. And I appreciate that. I appreciate all of y'all. I appreciate the people that have been in church for a long time. And those of you that have just come to church and being a part of our family, I think it's great. And that's why I like to have days like today to just get to know everybody and visit and find out what's going on in life and who you are and what's your gifts and what's your callings and how we're all going to just keep fighting this good fight and keep rowing this ship all the way to, to heaven. Amen? Amen. So anyway, one thing about me you're going to know is, is uh, yeah, turn your phone off, Robert. Uh, One thing about me that you're going to know is that I'm I'm a young man, but I'm an old fashioned preacher. I believe in a good old fashioned gospel. I I had them play uh, country music this morning because I figured, like, well, this is the day that I get to choose, so. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that that's as close as I get some of y'all to dancing in the spirit. You know, it's as close as you're going to get to dancing in the spirit that, oh, you know. Just a closer walk with gets to play, and y'all get to kind of swinging and tapping that foot. So, oh, man, I could do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're close to dancing in the spirit, and I'll take that. But, uh, you know, I, I tell you, the world right now is spinning out of control. There's more. Uh, I, I was listening to a, a, a podcast today, uh, a few days ago of a guy that was talking about uh, end times. And, and it was really an interesting thing, and I should have taken notes, and I didn't. But uh, and maybe you've seen this. It was he was talking about if There was a person born in 1900. You were born the year 1900, and then what your life would have been like. And it started talking about you know you had uh, World War One, then you had the Depression, then you had uh, the the Spanish Flu, and and it was talking about all the millions and millions of people that died. Then you would have gone on into World War Two, and. Uh, Vietnam and all these things, these events that would have taken place in your life if you were born in 1900. And they were talking about how that, uh, you know, if you would have been born in 1900, looking at the, you know, 50 million people dying of the Spanish flu, that you could have said, oh my gosh, it's the end times. You know, it's got to be the end times. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And, uh, but there was a difference then. And this is what I, what he brought out in the message that that really spoke to my heart is that the people then still had a form of godliness you know we still had you still had right and wrong things that before i even knew jesus i knew what was right and wrong you know what i mean my my parents set an example in front of me of, of right and wrong and uh, today you know man we're going into a, to what the book of timothy talks about the last days about being lawlessness and people losing the love of God and losing it. And we're seeing that more and more. And so it even makes me want to go backwards, you know, to, to even preach the, the the plain old gospel because people don't even know the plain old gospel that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we're all sinners and we're all not gonna make it to heaven unless you have Jesus Christ in your life and that He is an easy way to do it. He just He made the way. Will you accept Him as your Lord and Savior? It's a message that's not getting preached today. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, that's right. I mean, preachers are preaching for crowds. They're preaching for dollars. They're preaching for all kinds of things, except they're not preaching for just souls to be saved. And that's what I'm about. I just want to see souls get saved. I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see them know that he's a resurrected Savior. He's alive. He's not dead. He can be alive in your life and bring joy to you and peace to you. Amen. Amen. And that's what we got to remember, folks. That's what we got to stick to. We got to keep going. So, so, my message this morning is kind of wrapped around that. Uh, it's called Spending Time with Jesus. So, go to the book, get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13. Acts 4 13. So, this is a point where. Peter had been arrested, thrown in jail. An angel had come and, and opened up the door and supernatural events had taken place and he was out and they're all looking for Peter in the prison and he's preaching in the, in the church and they bring him in there and, and, uh, Peter was standing there and you can go read the whole chapter four, but you know, Peter's standing there in front of all the, the religious crowd of that day and he's giving them the what for about Jesus and, and then, they, they kind of were, were stumped because they didn't know what to do. And I love this statement in verse 13. It says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Now Right there, when I first read this, my very first time I ever read the Bible, and I came across this scripture, I got so excited. I was like, Lord, you can use me then if it's an uneducated and untrained, and they just need to put like uncouth, you know, but <laughs> you can use me, Lord, you can use me, you can use good old country boy to preach the gospel because you use Peter and John. But then look at the next statement, and they realized that they had been with Jesus so they, the, the, this group, this religious group of people standing there looking at them said, these guys, you know, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. These guys aren't smart enough to know this. These guys aren't talented enough to know this. These guys, these guys don't have the, you know, the, the, all the pharisaical education, all of this understanding, all this knowing the Bible backwards and forwards, and then knowing all the stuff about the the prophets and this and that. They're not smart enough for all this. But, man, we can tell they've been with Jesus. So with them being spending time with Jesus rubbed off on them so much, it changed them. So if it changed them, can it change us? So does that just make sense that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more he's going to rub off on you and the more you're going to become like him? Hello? But you see, people don't want to spend time with Jesus. Even Christians don't want to spend time with Jesus. I've told you all this. You know, when that survey came out that said the average Christian prays three minutes a day. That's not spending time with Jesus. You can't learn somebody in three minutes. You can't learn what their nature is, what their, their thoughts are, what their, the way they do things in three minutes. Most Christians never read their Bible. So how are you going to learn and how are you going to spend time with Jesus and become more like him if you... Don't spend time with Jesus. Uh, look at the person besides that. That's a good point. <laughs> Highly intelligent. Good point. Deep, deep, deep. Are y'all with me? See, folks, the, the, the Christian world right now is not spending time with Jesus. And we have leaders of denominations guiding their churches in the wrong direction. And they're headed down a road that's going to end up in a total and complete demise for them. And they're doing that. And the reason why is because they haven't spent time with Jesus. Because if they had spent time with Jesus, they'd know they were going in the wrong direction. Hello? Y'all with me? Look at another verse here. Go into the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is a story where Saul, who was the first king, was going to meet Samuel. Now, the funny thing, and I don't want to get into, if you go read chapter 9 and then on into 10, you can you can get all of this story. I'll just tell you the story, but you can go read it all. Saul's lost his donkeys. They've run off. And so he's looking for them. So he's, I mean, these must have been pretty wild donkeys. I mean, they done run off. They're not, as like in the neighbor's patch eating his garden. They're gone. And so he's out searching the land for them. Till it gets to the point that he says, man, we're going to have to go, we need to go to the the prophet, the seer, the man of God, and just ask him, hey, can you ask God where the donkeys go? Now, doesn't that sound kind of strange? But, I mean, that's what they were going to do. He said, let's let's go find the man of God. So he's going to find Samuel. And he doesn't know Samuel. He doesn't know Samuel. And uh, so anyway, he... uh, (laughs) <laughs> he, he, he's, the, before he gets there God speaks to Samuel and says oh by the way I'm bringing the king in today and when he comes in I want you to anoint him and he's going to be the king and he's coming and so all of a sudden here comes Saul walking up thinking he's going to ask for where the donkeys are and Samuel's like oh you're, gonna, you're the king of Israel and he's like what? what what are you talking about you know I don't know what you're talking about and in verse chapter, first, chapter 10 1 Samuel 10 6 he tells Saul, he said, you're going to go to such and such a place and you're going to go there and there are going to be some people going to the service and then they're going to, you're going to meet some prophets. And then he says, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Story goes on, read it on down there. It happened just like Saul said and then everybody went, I mean, just like Samuel said and then everybody went back and they said, look, you know what happened? We went up there on the side and man, oh, oh, oh. Saul's up there and he's prophesying with the prophets. You see, he came in contact with the Spirit of the Living God and it changed him into another man. We have people today that are struggling to stay sane. Suicide rate is up 4% in the United States over the last two years. And it's really higher than that, but that's all they're reporting. People are discouraged. People are people are, 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 are falling apart. But God offers us something here. He says, man, listen, if you come hang out with me and hang around me, you'll be changed into another person. In other words, depression's gonna go. Discouragement's gonna disappear because you're spending time with me, and I have a way for my spirit to come upon you, and when it comes upon you, it'll change you into another man. It'll call it'll change you in a, in a, in a different way of thinking you'll start thinking you start thinking miracles signs and wonders you'll start thinking that God can do anything hello oh this is good news this is good news because I'm going to give you four points out to stay close to Jesus if you do you know what he's going to change you into another man he's going to make you better you're going to be full of faith Full of encouragement, being able to tell our pastor, best, said best, like, you know, the world is just going to pieces. How come you got a smile on your face? Ah, oh, it's okay. I'm closer. One day closer. To getting with Jesus. I'm looking for miracles. I'm looking for God to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm looking for a way for God to make my crooked path straight. I don't know what y'all are worried about, but you know, I, I, God's gonna. God's my source. All right. So number one, y'all gonna laugh at this one. Number one. The number one way to spend time with Jesus, John 6, 63, Jesus said, Jesus said, not Robert, Jesus said, I'm quoting Jesus. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Isn't it funny that uh, we have all of these, what do you want to call them? All of these devices to make our lives better. Right? Have y'all seen the one that looks like a mirror and you hang it on your wall and it looks like a mirror? It's like the thickness of a mirror and then it's got an exercise deal and somebody peers on the mirror and then you follow them with the exercise deal, right? I I thought that was pretty space age-ish myself. I was like, wow, that's weird, you know? You got the bicycle you sit on, it's got the TV in front of you. I don't have these things. I just saw a commercial, okay? Don't, Don't think... You can tell by looking at me, I don't have a big exercise room, okay? But I'm just saying, we have all these things, and you got all these self-help things, and you have all this stuff going out there, and there's I'm sure it's a billion, billion, billion dollar industry, and all of that to help. But the true answer, what's going to help you in life, is to hear the words of Jesus, because there's spirit and life, and I just showed you, when that comes upon you, it changes you into another man. You cannot spend time... No, let me change that. You cannot not spend time with Jesus and not be changed. I doubt that is English proper grammar, but I'm just saying that's the way. You got to understand that you you cannot spend time with Jesus and not be changed. Oh, you can spend time with religion and it'll kill you. Because then you're all into do's and don'ts. Then you're all focused on looking at your own imperfections and your own sin. How much time do you spend sitting around just reading the gospel of all the, all the scriptures where Jesus as he loves you? And he loves you as, he, as you are. I look around this room and I see all of us, man, we're not, we're not any of us the same. None of y'all look like twins. We're all different. But Jesus has a way to sit down with each and every one of you and bring a word to you that ministers to you, that speaks to you, that helps you change and become who you're supposed to be. Because each and every one of you are created in the image of God, and each and every one of you are created differently. And there's some of you like these things and some of you like those things. But what always happens to Christians along the way is they get to fighting because they think everybody should be the same. We should all be different. Amen. But all have the same aroma of christ in our life yes, Lord. No, you're not praying right you're gonna pray this way well you don't i don't you're getting religious on me y'all sure are quiet this morning it's supposed to be a celebration day y'all just looking at me like a like an old cow going through a new gate you know just looking just looking Right? So we got to spend time with Jesus. we got to let the Spirit of God come upon us. we got to spend time. And the greatest way you're going to be able to spend time with Jesus is right here in his word. Because he says, my words are full of spirit and life. And they're going to come and they're going to touch you. So that's why we have all the things we have around here. The plan and all these other things. And uh, we have all this stuff. So uh, I must be like electrically charged today. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I tightened everything down and... I'm about to just throw this thing. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, that's why you got to have a time that you sit down and you read your Bibles. Don't read your Bibles to just learn information. Read your Bible to spend time with Jesus. I mean, take a, take a scripture. Take a, take a chapter, John chapter 11. John chapter 11, talking about the resurrection of Lazarus. Have y'all ever just sat there and read it, but don't read it just to read it, but read it and then tried to imagine what it was like being there? You may be wrong in some of your, your thoughts, but it's Okay. I mean, I, I sit there sometimes and I think about it. Every time I come across John 11, I have to just see this scene. And I, I sit there and I just think about it. I said, Lord, how did it look? I mean, you're standing there and there was a moment, you, you know, everybody's weeping and crying. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And there you are, Jesus. And it says, you wept. You got upset about the whole situation. You got tears rolling down your eyes. And I, I imagine seeing Jesus, there were tears in his eyes. And all of a sudden he said, like, that's enough. And then Mary said, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you going to do? We're going to get him out of the tomb. Roll the stone by him. And she says, well, Lord, he stinketh. So all of a sudden he went from sorrow to natural deal. Uh, my brother he rotting. There was no embalming. All the doubt, all the unbelief. And then Jesus just yells out, Lazarus, come forth. And what would it would have looked like, everybody's around there, and you know, there's some people that you know how it is. Y'all have been to, to anything, a funeral or anything, and there's, you know, people over here, and they're talking and doing this, and there's these over here doing this, and there's these are part of the family. They're sad. There's somebody over here rubbing somebody's neck. There's somebody over here stroking somebody's hair. There's somebody over here doing something. There's somebody over here just trying to keep the kids straight, right? All this is going on, taking place, and then Jesus calls, Lazarus, come forth, and everybody's like, what? Are you, what? And then all of a sudden, you know, because I I mean, I've looked at this and I can be wrong on this. But, you know, when they took a body, they wrapped the body like a mummy. So Lazarus could not have walked out of the tomb. I don't see how. He had to hop. (laughs) I think about it. How else could he have got out of there? He's wrapped like a mummy. He can't walk out of the tomb. So my only thing. So the next thing you think of, just think of this guy. He's hopping out of the tomb. And then everybody's freaked. Ah! And then somebody's faints. (laughs) And Jesus is standing there right in the middle of him and being practical. He says, get him unwrapped. And then the scripture says that day that many believed, but others didn't. And they ran back to Jerusalem and said, we got to figure out how to kill this guy. What's wrong with them? So I, when I'm reading that chapter, I'm looking at all these details, all these things. I'm sitting there trying to figure out how was, what was the look on Jesus' face when he comes hopping out and everybody's freaking out. And then I think about how cool that is that Jesus likes to freak everybody out. <laughs> how that just puts him so natural, somebody I can relate to, you know? You just raise the dead and the mummy's hopping out of the tomb. People are fainting and freaking out. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's what me and my dad like to do. <laughs> That's so cool. That is so cool. My point is, is you can't just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Just going through and trying to just chalk off and got through with that chapter, got through with that verse. Yeah, you know, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I need to, re- I need to m- memorize this. No, no, no. It's to find the whole spirit of life that's in the Word that's going to change you. Hello. Okay. The second one, number two. Go to Hebrews ten nineteen. Hebrews ten nineteen. That's what I say. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, my brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." The second thing is is you're going to make you spend time with Jesus is what's coming out of your mouth. And folks, I want to tell you something. I don't like being around people who are cussers. Oh, I don't mind somebody has a few just expressive words and little cuss word, but I can't stand to be around. I can't stand to see a movie. can't say anything. It's just everybody's just cussing, 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 cussing. Every word coming out of their mouth is cuss word because that's who I used to be. It may shock you. It's... Refined a person as I am but I'd sit and cuss the banker when I was trying to borrow money so you know I was just that was the way I was raised I was raised with an uncle and and he could cuss better than anybody he he's like a professional cusser <laughs> I, I, I'd never seen anybody like this he could articulate more with cuss words than you've ever seen in your life and I mean it was just there was nothing but came out of his mouth but a string of cuss words but now it turns me off and I don't like to hear it well let me ask you this okay If you have a confession coming out of your mouth, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to do this. Oh, woe is me. Nothing ever goes right. Nothing ever happens right. The government's going to get us. They got more IRS agents. They're coming after me. They're going to get my money. They're going to get this. They're going to do this. They're going to change this. (coughs) Russians are going to nuke something. All this is coming out of your mouth all the time, all the day long. Well, you know, not only does no one want to be around you, but Jesus said something he wants to be around either. And another problem that I see going on in the world today and, you know, God bless. We got the Internet. And the Internet does a lot of good for me. And I, I find all kinds of stuff on the Internet that I can use to preach the gospel. But there's so many people sitting around all complaining to each other about this, that and the other, that it just ends up to be one great, big, giant mesh of a bad confession. And I want to tell you what's going to happen. Listen, I know what's going to happen. You want to know what's going to happen? There's going to be a Trump blast and Jesus coming back. I don't know when. Could be right now. No, now. No, now. Okay, it'll be a little later. But there's going to be a trumpet blast and Jesus is coming back and he's going to take us out of here. We're going to go to heaven. That's what's going to happen. And if that doesn't happen in my lifetime, I'm going to drop dead one day and I'm going to be standing in his presence hello I know where I'm headed no matter what I know where I'm headed I know where I'm headed because I know that I know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life how do I know that because I asked him to come into my life I asked him to forgive me of my sins I made him the Lord and Savior of my life and destroy it's all over with my future and my destiny is held in his hand and John ten twenty nine says man there ain't nothing gonna take me out of the father palm of the father's hand nothing Oh, Jesus said, you know, you can have some tribulation in this world, but if you look right up above that, he says, I'm going to give you peace that surpasses it all. We may have some issues, some problems, some things going on, some hardships, some trials, some tribulations, but we live in a fallen world. We live in a, you're driving a junk car. It's going to break down. Hello? Hello? We live in a fallen world. It's going to be some tribulations. It's going to be some trials. Something's going to test your faith. God's not doing it. He's not trying to make it. We live in a cursed world. The curse is upon this world. Cain started from Adam. The only way out of it is to be translated out of this kingdom and in the kingdom of God and live in the spirit. But you got to get your confession right. Got to get your confession right. And as soon as you get your confession right, when you start talking Bible, you start talking positive confession from what Jesus has promised you. Jesus comes and he changes you. Hallelujah. But if you're going to walk along and your confession is going to be bad within folks, I'm telling you right there, you're just going to stop. You're going to say, well, I got just what I spoke. All right, I'll go off. Number three. Now, this is a good one. Go to first Peter one 18. Not that the other two weren't. First Peter one 18. And nineteen, It says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and spot. The third thing is you got to understand your position in life. Now, I told my wife the other day, I said, no, no, sweetie, um, you're just going to just I just want you to know what I'm doing. I said, uh. I started out my walk with Jesus in confidence and knowing that the Word of God was true, right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't know more than a few weeks in that somebody came and tried to tell me why the Bible wasn't right and that you had to know all the contradictions of the Bible and tried to set me off on a course that was wrong. And then, then from there, it's just been a, a, it's been a whole lot of people in my life that love to throw stones, stone throwers. OK. And uh, after a while, I kind of got to paying more attention to them and dodging rocks. I wanted to dodge them. Then I did just by going on and just believing God, they're just going to hit and fall off. Do you know what? The, this is, these are things that make me happy. Do you know what the average? Uh, it's not life expectancy, the average. Uh, length of time that a pastor stays in a pulpit in America? You know what the length of time is? Three to five years. That's it. After five years, the religious crowd has beat them down. They don't care. They throw up their hands and they leave. Some are really called by God. that should have been called ministers and maybe didn't get the right people around them and the right training, but about, and others are probably should have been thrown out. But, uh, there's a bunch of people out there that are that are God-called to be shepherds and pastors and ministers and preach the gospel, but they, after about five years, they just get so beat down that they leave. And I thank God, God made me hard-headed. All right, I mean, that's the deal. So, 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 so pushing however many, I've either done 28 years and going on 29, I say I've done 29 years going on 30, but we'll see, well, somebody add it all up. I say as of November, I'm starting 30. I don't know where y'all are, but I'm starting 30 years. But anyway. <coughs> And the only reason why is because literally most of my life I have stood knowing my position in life. But after a while, when everybody starts to throw stones at you and hack at you, then after a while you start to second guess yourself. And I told the death, I'll never second guess myself again. I said, I don't care if everybody thinks I'm an arrogant idiot. I'm going to keep going because I know my Jesus. I know what Jesus called me to do. I know who I am. I know what he wrote about me and what he said about me, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to go on. I've I'm, I'm been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. I'm born again. I'm washed in his blood. I'm holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight because of the blood, not because of my n- abilities. Now, let's listen to this. I was praying this the other day, and I was just, I was outside. It's about 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm outside just tearing it up. Boy, I mean, I'm just praying. I'm just, man, I'm praying heaven down. Hell out. Me and the dog. And the deer sitting out there looking like, is he going to feed us? And I'm just praying it down. And I got this. I don't even know that I can explain it to you today. I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe somebody can catch it. But I got this revelation of the blood of Jesus. And I got this revelation, and it, it so set me free because it was, like, it was like different than I'd ever thought of before. And it was like literally, uh, uh, the, the revelation came to me that when I asked Jesus to come into my life, and I said, Lord, you, I believe you are, and I knew that I got saved. At that moment, not knowing, because I didn't see blood sprinkled on me, right? I didn't get up for my salvation and say, man, I got blood all over me. That didn't happen, but it did in the spirit. Hear me now. It did in the spiritual realm. Amen. And so when that blood hit me in the spiritual realm, all of a sudden, God doesn't look at me anymore in my imperfections. He's looking at what's on me, the blood. Amen. And I thought to myself, have you ever noticed if you if, if, if you're, you know, your spouse or your friend or whoever, you know, drop something on their shirt. And they got a spot on it that you tend to start focusing on the spot. You're talking to them, but you're looking at the spot. You got a spot of something on your shirt. You know, you can't get off the spot. You're just looking at the spot. Somebody's got a piece of food on the side of their face, and you're talking to them. You ain't looking at their face. You're looking at the piece of food on the side of their face. Hello. You got something stuck between your teeth. They ain't looking at you and saying, "Oh, their eyes are so pretty." They're looking at what's stuck between your teeth. Yeah. Now these are real things, and it's happened to all of us. Am I right? And then when I got that, when I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, the blood had sprinkled on me. It's hitting me. God's not seeing my imperfections. He's seeing the blood. He's not seeing, oh, there's Robert. He's seeing, there's one of my blood-bought kids. And when when that thought came to me and I began to just say, God, I just praise you for that. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. It was like I felt something fall off of me. Literally, physically. It's like I felt like something fell off of me. Whether it was a spiritual weight of something I'm trying to carry or what, I don't know what it was. It just felt like something lifted off me because I realized, I really realized down inside of my heart, he's looking at the blood. So folks, listen to me today. You that are born again and saved and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, God is looking at you by the spirit. He's looking at you, the blood on your life. He's looking at what's upon you and that gives you a position and a right in heaven. Hebrews 12, 24 says, the blood of Jesus speaks over your life. The blood that's on you says something. And what does it say? It says, he's mine. So you see, folks, I've not been, (laughs) the Bible says, redeemed with perishable things. We've been redeemed with imperishable things. The blood of Jesus that lives forever. And what it speaks over life. So when you understand your position, then you can go boldly into the throne and say, hey, dad. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Holy Ghost. How y'all doing? Are y'all with me? But down here on this earth, we live in this world of your importance and whatever. Then that that brings you to a place of stature. And if you go into something that's of higher stature, you feel kind of intimidated a little. You know, you don't really know how to operate. When we were seniors in high school, we had this lady, dear sweet lady, and she taught, taught a, a home economics class, and so for our, I, I guess, I don't know what you call it, just, uh, you know, our, our, our ending school year, we got to go out, and we, they took us to a play. Now, you may ask, why was I in home economics? Because I was thrown out of every other class, and they put me in home economics with all the girls, which they made cookies, and I thought it was glorious. So anyway. So we go to this dinner theater. That's what it was, a dinner theater, and it was a play. And so she taught all this stuff to us, all this stuff about your forks and which one you're supposed to eat with and don't put your elbows on the table and all these things that was taught to us. And she was going to be grading us as she watched us set up, functioning at the table of how we function. And I'll never forget it. What dish did they serve? Fried chicken. <laughs> and I was like, How do you eat this? you got to get a hold of a piece of fried chicken and eat it, you can't. What are we gonna do, cut at this thing? And I remember this most miserable night of this. Man, it's a good looking piece of fried chicken too. And me poking around and digging at it with my fork, trying to get it off and not slide it off my plate off the table and everything, you know, and trying to deal with this thing. And then beside it were little round potatoes. You know, those things can get away from you. You got to work them just right and get the fork into them, try to cut one of those things. and They're off the table, too. So Jesus is not looking at you. He's not grading you in your life upon how well you can eat the fried chicken. What he's grading you on life is there's a blood on your life. And is that blood speaking? And that gives you a position, not because you're good, not because you're smart, not because you're such a scholar of the word, but because of the blood speaks. Hello? Hello? In Exodus 24, I'll just tell you what it says. Exodus 24, 1 through 8, you can go read it. It was a ceremony they took. When Moses stood up, he took the, 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 the commandments and he took the ordinances and he read them before the people. And all the people said, yes, we'll do it. And then he dipped the, the hyssop branch into the blood and he sprinkled the people. And they says, okay, you're redeemed. He gave us an image right there in, in Exodus 24, 1 through 8. Hello? Go look at Hebrews 9 9.11. 9, 11. But look what this does to you. This understanding of the blood. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling in the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works. The blood of Jesus has the ability on your life to literally transform your thinking. Cleanse you of your conscience from dead works. In other words, thinking, well, I got to do it this way. I got to do that way. So the things in the spirit that you get a revelation of changes the things in the flesh. You're not by the flesh going to change things in the spirit, but you can by the spirit change things in the flesh. Did you get that? Your works, you're not going to change things in the spirit. But you're taking time and spending time with Jesus and getting a revelation of what the blood does will change your physical, your conscience and your physical body. Amen. Glory. Let me give you the fourth one. Go to Luke 10, 18. <clears throat> Luke ten eighteen. Jesus is speaking. He said, he said in the, so all the, all the disciples came back, they've been out having revival crusades and they come back telling all the great things that God's done and all the miracles they've seen, all the healings and all the stuff like that. And then Jesus says to them, verse 18, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus spoke this to them before the day of Pentecost had come. Jesus spoke this to them before he was risen from the dead. Jesus spoke this to them before he had poured his blood out on the mercy seat in heaven. Right? Jesus spoke this to those disciples. And there's religious people say, well, he did that because he was trying to show forth that he was the son of God. But after he was risen from the dead, then there's no more. Why would that be? Just let me ask you a question. Why would that be? Why would Jesus have just 12 guys go around and see this blows the theory because there wasn't 12 guys in Luke chapter 10. There were 70. So why would Jesus have it worked out or God the Father have it worked out to where after the resurrection of Jesus, he went to heaven and left 12 guys down here you know, we know there was more, but I'm just going to say 12 guys down here to, 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 that could operate in power, signs, and wonders, operate in authority on earth, and then leave earth. Jesus has left earth, and he leaves those guys down here to show forth that he's the son of God. Why would he do that? Why would he only leave 12? He, he knew he wasn't coming back right now. He knew there was going to be 2,000 plus years to where we we'll end up today. Why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. It's, it's theologically unsound, okay? But what he was trying to get across to the people is that he said, look, the devil is defeated. I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. He doesn't have any power. I'm the one that's got the power. I'm the one that's in charge. I'm the one that has the authority here. And I'm telling you, I'm delegating authority to you that you can trample on serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. He didn't say nothing by any means will come against you. He just said it won't hurt you. See, we get that wrong. We think that we shouldn't have anything come against us. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It didn't say there wouldn't be a weapon formed against you. (sighs) It just said it won't prosper. I love, I don't know if it's a message. I think it maybe it's the message translation where it says there's no, no, no weapon can be forged in the fires of hell that will have success against you. And I kind of like the way that's said, you know? Kind of get the old devil thinking he's down there in his old fiery pit beating out a piece of something, you know? He's going to say, this is going to get him. He never promised you we wouldn't have any issues, problems, trials, or tribulations. But what he promised you, that ain't none of them going to prosper. You're going to be at victory if you'll take your authority in Christ and walk right through it. Amen. Go to Mark 16, 15. Some of Jesus' last words. You know, listen to me, church. I'm going to say this. <clears throat> You know, when when you when you if you study your Bible and you look at it, sometimes there's these little notations. And if you have a, a center reference or some kind of a cross-reference Bible or a you know some some whatever commentary Bible, you know, they'll they'll put these little notes on there. And on Mark 16, 15, there's a little note. And it says that this wasn't in some of the oldest manuscripts. All right? But what they don't tell you is that in like 5,000 of the manuscripts it was in. But there was three old ones that they didn't find it in. All right? But I want to tell you all something today. I've learned in life that I don't listen to any of that stuff. If it's written in my Bible, I believe it. I might have question about the book of maps. Maybe they got that wrong. All right? But I have no question at all about if it's written in my Bible, it's the living word of God. And you can, I mean, I just hear it right now. Somebody saying, well, see, that's the real, well, you're not very smart. You're you are not an intellectual. Do you not know that this is a little, little, and that's where you are. I want to tell you something. That's where your fault is, because I praise God that I'm just simple minded enough to read my Bible and say it's true because it cuts out all that other demonic stuff. Well, you know, it's got to be. It's got to be authorized King James 1611, you know, printed off the Gutenberg press before. What? What? Problem is you can't, you don't want to live it. You want to find fault with it. Let's just get down to the brass tacks of you, you don't want to live the Bible. So therefore you don't want to have to read it because it convicts you and you don't want to stop doing what you're doing or you don't want anybody else to know and you just want to stay high minded. Hello? Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink of anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. A Christian that understands his authority. First, he's reading his Bible. Hello? Spending time with Jesus. Jesus. Right? He's got his confession going right. Understands his position. And now he understands the authority the position has given him. We'll do Mark 16. Well, one time I pray. I don't care if I pray for... I'm never going to stop praying. Let me say it that way. I'm never going to stop praying. Hello? I'm never going to stop. I know my Bible's true. There's There's a problem with me. There's never a problem with God. Can I have a better amen than that? There's a problem with me. There is not a problem with God. Amen. Everybody I prayed for last week, everybody that I set my agreement with you, I want to tell you something. I don't know if you went to the Holy Ghost store and got what you needed, but it was there for you because I arranged it to be there. You say, well, that's a bold statement. That's what I believe. Why not? I understand my position in the authority. I did what Jesus told me to do. It was at the Holy Ghost desk for your pickup. If you went and got it, I don't know. But it was there for you. One of my favorite quotes from from John Wayne, Rooster Cogburn, was when he says, he hollers out and he says, that's a bold statement from a one-eyed fat man. (laughs) It's kind of what I feel like today. That's a bold statement from a one-eyed fat man. But I'm telling you what, that's the truth. How can it not be? That's what the Bible says. Are we going to believe it or not? Hallelujah. How about Matthew 28? Go to Matthew 28, 18. I'm about to wrap this up. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay. Let's not even read anymore. There's a lot of good stuff behind that, but let's just stop right there for a minute. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, heaven and heaven and earth. Well, if all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth and then he turned to me and said, Robert, I'm giving you authority over your kingdom right here and you go operate in it. Well, then don't you think I got it done? Got it handled? Got enough? Authority, that is. What else do I need? But see, Christians don't understand their position in life. They let the devil talk them out of it. They let the devil whisper to them. They listen to the whisper and they don't listen to the word. Let's read the rest of it. He says, go, therefore, okay. so all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Oh, you go, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have and commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he says, go out there, preach. and I'm going to be with you. Jesus is with me today. Folks, listen to me. It's this simple four steps. That causes your whole life to change and become more like Jesus. When you start spending time with him, this is what happens to you. And he starts changing you to be more like him in the way that he has created you to be. You say, well, I'm not I'm not like you, Pastor Robert. That's like one day I was talking to a, 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 a person. This has been years ago. And we we're visiting. I was saying, man, my favorite scriptures. Revelations 19, 14. We come back with Jesus on them horses. and woo, man, Give me a rod of iron. We're going to have some fun. And never thought anything about it. And in a minute, the man said, but what if I don't want to go to war? What if I don't, what if that's not my nature? And it hit me. It's like, yeah, see, this is me. This is what speaks to Robert. And I said, I just looked at him and said, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much because I just know Jesus and he knows you and you know him and he's going to do with you whatever. I'm going with them. But, you, you know, I never thought about that. That's a good point, brother. You see, God created all of us different. Somebody made me, you know, it may be, (laughs) it may be like, you know, in the old days when they didn't have cameras, you know, and and they they had artists sitting out there drawing the battles as the battles were taking place. Maybe that's what it's going to be like. Maybe there's going to be a bunch of artists sitting in there with canvases and they're painting all the scene going on. There goes old Robert. Look at that. Oh, it almost fell off. Oh, he's back on. (laughs) Hello? I don't know. I'm not worried about it. I just know that God's going to do with you exactly what he is supposed to do with you. And if you'll just do these four simple points, all of a sudden you're just going to start lining up. You're going to start becoming more like Jesus every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, you know, you're already looking a little more like Jesus. Amen. So. We're going to have communion now. So everyone out there watching, you can get your communion elements ready. But uh, I'm telling you folks, today's the day we need to come to the front. When you come up and receive communion today, you need to be thinking about this message. You need to say, Lord, I just thank you for the blood of Jesus, man. And I'm committing to you. I'm going to go in all the nations, preach the gospel, whatever, whatever God's doing with you. But today's the day of just committing our hearts to the Lord. Amen. So can I have my pastoral team, prayer team, everybody come down to help me serve? Musicians come down, players of the sacred harps. So the Bible tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said now take and eat for this is my body that's broken for you by the by the stripes Jesus took on his back 1 Peter tells us that we receive healing because what Jesus took on the cross is not supposed to be upon you so Lord we thank you for this bread today We thank you, Lord, for your broken body for us. And we just ask you, Lord, today to heal us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. So take and eat. And then afterwards, he took the cup. And he said this cup is a new testament poured out of my blood for the forgiveness of sins there's that word again blood lord we thank you for our new covenant that says that by the blood of jesus we can have the forgiveness of sins lord that today as we come to the front and we repent lord our sins are washed away come white as snow so lord we thank you for it so take and drink